Welcome to Smart Healthcare Safety from ECRI Institute, where we have real conversations about real safety issues in healthcare. I'm your host, Paul Anderson. Today, we have a special episode produced in conjunction with the Partnership for Health IT Patient Safety, looking at safe practice recommendations for opioid prescribing. The United States is in the midst of a deadly opioid use epidemic, which we see contributing to a decline in U.S. life expectancy. To help reverse this trend, ECRI Institute and the HIMSS Electronic Health Record Association recognized the unique opportunity to collaborate on safety issues, combining EHR developer expertise, information, and perspectives with the Partnership for Health IT Patient Safety's evidence, knowledge, data, and data analysis available from ECRI Institute in its role as a patient safety organization. To get us started, I'll ask our guests to introduce themselves. Thanks, Paul. My name is Sherry Medina, and I'm the chair of the Electronic Health Records Association Patient Safety Workgroup, as well as co-chair of this collaborative project. I'm a former emergency department physician, and I'm currently with Regulatory Affairs at Harris Healthcare. My name is Mark Siegel. I'm a principal at Digital Health Policy Advisors. I'm a consultant to ECRI Institute and also a former chair of the Electronic Health Record Association. And I am Patty Jafrida. I'm a patient safety analyst with the Partnership for Health IT Patient Safety here at ECRI. Thanks, everyone. So to get us started, Mark, maybe if you could set the stage for us a little bit. Knowing that the opioid crisis has a lot of factors, how can health IT help since that's the focus of this partnership? And maybe if you could talk a little bit about what is the role of this specific group of collaborators in that process? Yeah, Paul, that's a great question. So there is, without a doubt, the opioid crisis is one of the highest priorities for U.S. healthcare. And it's also one that I think is both widely accepted and widely expected that there's great promise for the role of health IT in multiple dimensions, particularly as our healthcare system is so rapidly digitized in the last few years. ECRI Institute and the EHRA had been thinking about a topic in which they could work together and really bring together in a complementary way the resources they had available. And so they sought a topic that would be one of the nation's highest priorities for healthcare and one where actions could be implemented in health IT systems and by providers in near-term product development and implementation cycles, which in the real world, our near term is one to three years, particularly when you think about both development and implementation. What we came down on as we thought about how health IT could help most specifically with the opioid crisis is we came down on two mutually reinforcing approaches that would be available to help prevent, not so much treat, but prevent persistent use and dependence on opioids. The first was to enable better and safer opioid prescribing performance using clinical decision support, e-prescribing, and the use of data from prescription drug monitoring programs, PDMPs, using these data in clinician workflow. So this is really applying health IT to have safer opioid prescribing. And then secondly, we wanted to have take advantage of the ability of health IT to measure what clinicians do and what healthcare organizations do and to provide feedback. And so we wanted to identify health IT-enabled approaches that would enable clinicians and their parent healthcare organizations 
to assess their opioid prescribing practices and to measure them and to measure change. And together we saw this as a virtuous cycle of measurement and clinical decision support. So obviously this group of stakeholders coming together, they're not doing it in a vacuum. There's a lot of interdisciplinary work across the whole healthcare system and other aspects of federal government, state governments, all looking at the opioid crisis. What can we say about the regulatory environment that this group is working in and and maybe some of the competing priorities that the stakeholders face as they're working on this? From a regulatory environment standpoint, there are really a couple of things going on. There are focuses that are more general in enabling health IT to enhance healthcare and sort of the safety and value of healthcare. So things like quality measurement and clinical decision support, for example, safe prescribing, those are general things that have been policy focuses. For example, through work by both the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services and through ONC, through its certification and other programs. And these all, in fact, as you said, do create competing priorities because you have the need to balance responding to regulatory requirements on developers and on their customers with other priorities that their customers have. And then we also have specific needs. We have crises, for example, with the opioid situation where you have programs that are specific to opioids, for example, guidelines from the Centers for Disease Support on on opioid prescribing and opportunities to create clinical decision support based on those. We have requirements for providers and for health IT to support reporting to prescription drug monitoring programs and opportunities to think about how we can integrate those data more effectively into EHRs. And so one of the opportunities and challenges is to make sure that we're not being duplicative and that we're trying to take sort of issue, disease-specific priorities and really integrating those into the more general kinds of activities around measurement, data standardization, integration of data and clinical decision support into workflow. And then also we want, and I think we found this consistently, that health IT uptake with clinicians and with health IT developers. People want the focus to be on what they view as a priority. And so the tragedy is that I think it's widely accepted that the opioid crisis is very much a priority, but we want to make sure that as we're developing health IT to deal with the opioid crisis, that it's not just focusing narrowly on regulatory requirements, But really, and again, this was a focus of this project, on the real clinical needs of clinicians and healthcare organizations. And if I could just jump in quickly, Mark, those are all excellent points. One of the other challenges that we face in the regulatory environment is the sometimes competing regulatory guidance between state and federal requirements. And the EHRA has actually created an opioid task force where we've done a state-by-state landscape of those regulatory requirements, both in the context of the prescription drug monitoring programs or PDMPs, as well as electronic prescribing for controlled substances, just to help people get a handle on the widely varying regulatory requirements between the states in addition to any federal guidance that we might have. Additionally, as you mentioned, the CDC guidelines, the task force created sort of an implementation guide in ways in which 
our customers and healthcare organizations could leverage their electronic health records to help implement those guidelines in the context of clinical decision support, as you say, to provide them with tools to help them provide better clinical care and implement those guidelines in a way that technology supports for them. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the EHR resources, Dr. Medina, and I just want to let our listeners know that we will have, at the end of the podcast today, we'll make sure to have a link. We'll read out the link for that where you can find those resources, and they'll definitely be in the show notes as well. So we'll make sure that folks can get access to those. Dr. Medina, I want to build a little bit on what you just said. You know, we talked, there obviously has been a lot of effort, again, nationwide, trying to address the opioid crisis. And the safe practice recommendations that the work group put together really target a specific population. Can you tell us a little bit about what that population is and why we chose them? So we, the collaborative group wanted to focus on the patient population that we defined as either opioid naive or opioid exposed. There's been a lot of attention paid to ways to mitigate the use of opioids in patients who are already in the stage of dependence or misuse. So we felt there was a real opportunity to provide tools earlier in that cycle with patients who had not yet been exposed to opioids or maybe had been exposed at some distant periods of time, but who are now in an acute pain situation where opioid prescribing might be being considered. As with most clinical situations, preventative measures early on in the cycle are far more effective and in the long run cost efficient and better in terms of patient well-being and satisfaction the earlier in the cycle that you can intervene. And so we felt there was a real opportunity there to provide value earlier in the cycle. Patty, before we get into the recommendations themselves, and we're going to talk about them in some detail, I do think it's worth talking a little bit about the work group itself. What's different about this work group compared to some of the past ones that we've convened through the partnership? Historically, our work groups have included representation from across all areas of healthcare. Depending on the topic, we've included clinicians, healthcare organizations, malpractice insurers, patient advocates, EHR vendors and developers, and many others. This group consisted solely of vendors and developers of health information technology. And, you know, Dr. Medina, I want to expound on that a little bit. I've heard Patty and others talk about this work group as a proof of concept of this idea of a broader collaboration between EHRA and ECRI. Do you have some thoughts to share maybe about the potential benefits of these two groups working together? Absolutely. The EHRA is committed to patient safety. And we felt that there were clear synergies between these two organizations. We were able to bring experts from physicians, nurses, pharmacists, technologists, and then coupled that with the patient safety expertise of the ECRI team, we felt had the potential to have significant impact both on this topic and potentially future areas of interest in the patient safety arena. One last thing before we start talking about the specific recommendations, we talked about the role of the two sort of main partners in the work group and all the different vendors who were brought in to participate. Dr. Medina, I wonder if we could just sort of say, you know, okay, high level, 30,000 foot view, what was the agreed upon goal of the work group as they came together? 
Our goal was to bring together relevant data from multiple sources to inform strategies to address this high priority patient safety issue. And we agreed to start with data concepts that are currently available in the EHR and to identify other potential data sources, as well as any challenges or barriers to accessing and utilizing that data. EHR developers are uniquely positioned to understand what's available, what's not available, why is it not available, and the ways in which to overcome those challenges in both the near and the long term. And so I think that was very helpful in informing the ultimate recommendations because we wanted to be both realistic as well as forward-looking. So let's get a little bit into those recommendations. And there were three of them, and we're going to get into each of them in some detail. As we do that, Dr. Medina, I wonder if you could talk about what were some of the things that the work group considered as it was crafting these recommendations? Our first order of business was to evaluate the current state versus the future state, as I mentioned, in EHRs and to identify those barriers. Some of the barriers included lack of data standardization, the varying regulatory requirements, and data completeness issues. And we predicated our discussions on the socio-technical model for health IT, encompassing everything from hardware to personnel to regulatory requirements and constraints. Healthcare technology doesn't exist in a vacuum, and it's vital to recognize and address the multitude of factors which contribute to the success or failure of any initiative. And so we tried to take all of those various things into account when crafting our recommendations. Patty, I know that we've talked about it a little bit, but there was a tremendous amount of data examined as part of the process. Can you describe a little bit about how we approached it and maybe what stood out about it to the team as it was working through it? Absolutely, Paul. First, we looked at two different patient safety data sets for this project. The first set of data points we considered came from the ECRI deep dive opioid use in acute care. The analysis identified that issues that were most frequently related to harm were associated with inadequate risk assessment before prescribing, failure to determine opioid tolerance, wrong rate or frequency, and the wrong route of drug administration. In the second data analysis, the focus turned to clinical decision support interventions that applied to opioid prescribing. This analysis revealed that in two-thirds of patient safety events related to opioid prescribing or ordering, the existing clinical decision support mechanisms were either ignored, bypassed, or did not function as expected. We had three main recommendations that came out of the workgroup. Let's work through them one at a time in some detail. The first recommendation is to enable technologies to continuously measure and monitor opioid prescribing. And we've talked among ourselves that this is the recommendation that maybe has the most near-term potential for making an impact towards safer prescribing through health IT. So, Dr. Medina, we'll start with you, but I want really everybody to jump in. Can you describe this recommendation in a little bit more detail and maybe talk about how it has some value at the organizational level? Absolutely. So the ability to measure and monitor is something that is currently available in EHRs today. And so what we're talking about is expanding and making it even more accessible at both the organizational level as well as the provider level to allow for both self-assessment as well as organizational assessment. This data can include opioid prescription quantity and duration, concurrent prescriptions for naloxone when indicated, 
other medications that may be being prescribed in addition to opioids and individual clinical decision support override rates, which speaks to one of the data analyses that Patty mentioned. At an organizational level, the prescriber patterns could be benchmarked against peers, for example, based on the quantity prescribed relative to diagnosis, procedure, specialty, the utilization of the prescription drug monitoring programs, clinical decision override rates, compliance with electronic prescribing for controlled substances where it's required, and pharmacy callback data, such as requests for modification due to duplicate prescription, dosing errors, or contraindications. A value also at an organizational level could be uh, prescribing patterns in relation to external measures or guidelines relevant to the healthcare organization, such as CMS quality measures, the CDC guidelines, or state guidelines. Another valuable insight could be relative patient satisfaction rates correlated with the changes in organizational pain management policy. Our vision is that the data could be presented through near real-time dashboards, as well as more traditional summary reports, and could then be used to drive additional change or potentially to positively incent prescribers to improve their satisfaction as well with the benefits they're getting from their EHRs. Let's get into the second recommendation, which was to ensure that the EHRs can collect structured data elements that we need to drive that clinical decision support and it's the metrics that it's giving us. That seems to me like it's going to have some challenges. We talked about, for instance, a lack of data standardization. Does that make it harder to achieve this recommendation maybe in the short term? And if that's the case, why is it valuable to make this recommendation anyway? You're 100% correct. This recommendation is challenging based on that lack of data standardization and might not reach our goal of short-term implementation. To garner truly valuable insights and provide more targeted clinical decision support that is of value to the user, adoption of structured data fields or the ability to convert narrative clinical documentation into structured data throughout the medical record must improve. The importance of structured data capture has long been recognized by technologists, but it's challenging in practice as clinician documentation practices don't always lend themselves to capturing data in this manner. As the industry evolves and technology like natural language processing becomes even more sophisticated, this becomes even more achievable. When we talk about structured data using standardized nomenclature, we're referring to things like SNOMED, ICD-10, CPT, and LOINC, and that allows for aggregating and normalization of data. The structured data then could provide hooks for clinical decision support based on the specialty and practice guidelines and the clinical situation in which opioids are being considered. Standardized data also allows for data aggregation to fuel predictive analytics and to enable risk factor analysis to prevent misuse, abuse, and unintentional overdose. Sherry, I'd like to elaborate on the risk factor piece here. When we looked at the literature, we found that risk factors are key to understanding the dynamic influences that determine which patients may become long-term opioid users. These factors will differ for our target population of opioid-naive and opioid-exposed patients. The literature identified several risk factors that predispose this patient population to progression to persistent use or abuse. 
These risk factors include a history of depression, alcohol or substance abuse, smoking, or any type of pain disorder. Another thing that is a risk factor is the prescription itself. For instance, the number of refills, a higher MMA per dose, initiating treatment with a long-acting opioid rather than a short-acting opioid, or even just receiving an opioid prescription itself. In order to perform risk analysis, we need both standardized and structured data in the EHR, as Sherry had stated. All right, the third recommendation then was to ensure that opioid prescribing decision support interventions are delivered at the right time in the workflow. I guess that begs the question, what is the right time and how do you know? Boy, that is the million dollar question, isn't it, Paul? <laughs> you know, we so many providers are overwhelmed with the various information that's being presented to them in the EHRs. And unfortunately, when it comes to opioid prescribing, it often feels as if it's all happening at the back end of the patient encounter, so at the point of prescribing. So imagine, if you will, a patient comes into their doctor's office, they have some acute pain complaint, the doc does the interview, the history, the physical, decides on a plan, discusses that plan with the patient, then comes out to write the prescription, and suddenly they're getting all this information about, oh, you really shouldn't be prescribing opioids, or oh, have you considered doing this or that or the other, after they're already done talking with the patient. And so we felt that it was really important to provide as much information and as many resources as possible to the clinician as early in the clinical encounter as possible so that that could then help them in their interview and in their discussion with the patient rather than either having to go back in and say, oh, well, that plan we had, well, now I'm going to change it, or in a busy office environment where they're trying to see as many patients as possible and keep delays to a bare minimum, perhaps saying, okay, well, the next time I'll see that patient, I can address these things. And so as much in terms of the risk factor analysis, for example, which is one of the things we've mentioned, for a potential problem with opioid dependence, that is the type of decision support and resources that can be provided to the clinician before they even go in to see the patient because the majority of those risk factors are information that's collected prior to the doc even going in to see the patient. And so whether you're getting it from external sources by the import of medical records from other sources or from the patient, you know, we've all filled out our past medical history prior to going in to see the doctor, that type of risk factor assessment could be done before the doctor even steps into the room with the patient. That can just help reframe the conversation that the provider has with the patient in terms of alternative treatment options to treat the patient's acute complaint for that day. And so rather than just presenting everything to the doc at the end of the encounter, we really wanted to help identify the optimal time in the workflow, whether it be at the point of registration, at the point of the past medical history collection, during the physical exam, wherever for the clinical decision support to help the provider, which is the goal of our electronic health records. We want to be a supplement and an assistance to the provider rather than just a data entry tool. And Sherry, this is Mark. Just one thing to add, and I agree entirely with everything you said, is 
and we talk about this in, in the white paper, there is really exciting standards work going on. In other work in the clinical decision support area, there's an HL7 standard called CDS Hooks, which is really focused on basically creating quote unquote hooks within sort of the EHR that enables linkage to external clinical decision support content. And so this is very much designed to support the notion that you link the clinical decision support to the right place in the workflow. And I think the other thing that sort of I've certainly seen, and I'm sure Sherry, you've seen in your clinical practice and with EHRA is the right place, it could vary by specialty, it could vary by clinician and how they work and many different factors. And so one of the goals here, and this relates to another area that EHRA and ECRI have been talking, which is, is usability, is we want to make sure that the right place very much reflects clinician perspectives rather than some externally kind of determined view of what's the right place in the workflow. So we very much want to have, you know, Sherry, as you said, this as a a supplement to aid decision-making, but it really should be driven by the decision-making priorities of the clinician. Let's now spin this forward a little bit. I know that the recommendations, the white paper have been released. And again, we'll make sure that we talk about where to find those as we wrap up the program today. But Mark, what are our next steps? What do we need to move forward? And I'm thinking of very inclusive we. What do we as EHR developers, what do we as clinicians, what do we as a collective and and work group collaborative, what do we all need to move all of this forward? Sure, that's a great question. So, I mean, first of all, one of the things we did in the report is we identified what were some of the real priorities out of the set of recommendations and in each recommendation had some very specific sets of priorities. So we identified what we called priorities for execution. So for example, a priority for execution would be enable measurement and display of opioid prescribing for healthcare organizations and providers by type of opioid dose, location, such as practice site, diagnosis, and procedure. And so we had a number of very specific priorities from the broader set of recommendations that were included in the document. In general, there's more work needed to allow EHRs to integrate in a seamless fashion and to synthesize and apply the opioid prescribing data that comes from a variety of sources. It could be different places in the EHR. It could be prescribing the PDMPs we talked about, you know, formularies, clinical decision support, things of that sort. And having this integrated information can enable both more accurate measurement and more effective and tailored CDS interventions, interventions that are patient-specific and reflect a variety of the patient's factors, their demographics, their comorbidities and risk factors that Sherry talked about, their medication history. So that's one important piece in terms of integrating in the data. Secondly, is we're seeing both the emerging standards, such as I mentioned, the CDS hooks, and emerging technology approaches that are increasingly enabling focus not at what's often called a document level of information, which has been very much what we've had to date in interoperability, 
but focusing on interoperability and exchange and access to specific data elements. And there's also potentially needs for policy changes. Sherry had talked about the need to facilitate access to PDMP data across state lines and to have more consistency across states for PDMPs. A number of the opportunities, the policy-related opportunities around health IT and the opioid crisis are acknowledged in a request for information in, that was recently issued by the Office of the National Coordinator for Health IT. And so as part of, of some of their regulatory proposals. And the key thing, and again, I think what, what motivated our work is that the recommendations and the implementation strategies and the tactics that are presented in, in this joint work, if people begin now thinking about how to implement them, recognizing that standards and data and technologies will evolve, if we begin to work now that they're going to be able to be implemented into solutions and workflows by EHR developers and by the developers of CDS content in their near-term product development and implementation cycles, which again, it varies by developer and by the particular type of product, but we're looking at one to three years. And then as well, working with their customers to think about, to anticipate this um, and to think about implementation. Overall, we see that beginning to move on the recommendations of this project will be able to enable much safer opioid-related prescribing in the very near term. If I could just add one other sort of final thought in that we're in a unique situation now where nearly all of the stakeholders all agree and are all pulling in the same direction both from the regulatory perspective, from the technology perspective, from the clinical perspective, everyone agrees that this is a problem. Everyone agrees that something needs to be done. And everyone is working together and collaborating in a way that makes real change possible in a time frame that we all agree needs to be sooner rather than later. All right. Thank you so much, Patty, Mark, Dr. Medina. Thank you all for joining us today. The safe practice recommendations are available from the Partnership for Health IT Patient Safety and EHRA on the ECRI Institute website at ecri.org slash HITSafety, or you can find a link in the show notes. You'll also find there the partnership's past recommendations and toolkits on topics like patient identification, the safe use of copy and paste, and most recently, closing the loop on diagnostic tests. Our show notes also include a link to EHRA's opioid crisis resources available from ehra.org. We'd love your feedback on the podcast. Visit ecri.org slash podcasts or email us at ecri-podcasts at ecri.org.